The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. What happened? Alexis decided to crash Lauren's party. Against our better judgment. And I take it that the uh, party crashing didn't go so well? None of this would have happened if Lauren wasn't the most conniving bitch in the entire world. Whoa. It's warranted. When the band was performing, Lauren brought Ashley up on stage with her and she kissed him in front of everyone. Bitch! How could she do this to me? To Ashley! What did Ashley do? He was mortified. He ran off stage and we left. And you know, he was apologizing a thousand times and said he had no idea that she was going to do that. And it's like she's been trying to break us up this whole time. It's been her master plan. No, well, she didn't succeed, darling. You and Ashley are stronger than ever, and, and she looks like a fool. Yeah, I wish that were true. According to the internet, Ashley cheated on me. I'm sure he posted the pictures of them kissing all over her website. It's a nightmare. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, August 8th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Our show opener today, from an episode of the TV series Castle, offers a great illustration of how facts can be used to create a false narrative. Alexis, Castle's daughter, has been humiliated by a false story suggesting that her boyfriend cheated on her when the truth was quite the opposite. Sound familiar? It's an internet nightmare, not unlike that faced by the best politicians of the right, like U.S. President Donald Trump or the People's Party of Canada's leader, Maxime Bernier. That said, the internet is the greatest tool of empowerment for the people ever devised, and as a consequence, many will abuse it, many will be abused by it, and what to do about those injustices and what is being done is the theme of our show today. All that will get underway right after I take a moment to remind you that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archived broadcasts, and of course where we encourage you to offer your financial support, and in doing so, become part of our effort to enlighten others about the true nature of freedom and capitalism. The People's Party of Canada is a political force that is not to be ignored or underestimated. The PPC is a call to arms, wrote listener Trevor D. in response to our show last week featuring the People's Party of Canada and its leader Maxime Bernier. His observation was echoed by the rebel media's David Menzies, who joined us briefly to share his own surprising insights about the PPC and of the Conservative Party of Canada, the CPC. It was, after all, the CPC that was responsible for driving out both its former members, Bernier, and our own Salim Mansour for their courageous attempts to put the most compelling issues facing Canadians on the electoral platform. As of July 19th, when we attended a packed PPC meeting in London, the PPC had already amassed a slate of candidates greater in number than the Green Party, the Liberal Party, and the NDP, while boasting a membership of some 41,000. 
though announced at the meeting, none of this was reported by the mainstream media. Capacity and near-capacity crowds have been attending PPC events across the country where voters can meet Maxime and their local area PPC representatives, candidates whose backgrounds and qualifications defy the current mainstream media narrative about the PPC. Again, not reported by the mainstream media. What we did hear was that some alleged racist could be found in various selfies with whom Bernier posed. All this sounds very reminiscent of what we've been hearing south of the border regarding U.S. President Donald Trump, and today I intend to draw a parallel from each country's experience with the mainstream media's obsession with race and the fake narratives that keep getting spread about any politician or public commentator who expresses any opinion that could be called a voice of the right. My disappointment and utter disgust with how the majority of the mainstream media treats U.S. President Donald Trump, and here in Canada how it appears they'll be treating PPC leader Maxime Bernier, has reached a point where I feel I have to address the issue in a more aggressive way. For example, for three days running, the following headlines and stories about Trump appeared in the National Post and in its subsidiary, the London Free Press. July 29. Trump attacks black lawmaker. July 30th, Trump ups attack on black politicians. July 31st, Trump condemns slavery amid controversy. Now, each of these articles concerns a so-called squad of socialists and communists criticized by Donald Trump and who, because they're not white, are therefore immune from criticism in the eyes of the media. Each article was written by different writers and originated from both Reuters and Bloomberg News. But the Trump is racist narrative is pure BS, a fiction told by racists, because only racists ever bring up the subject of race. The essence of the stories they're talking about have nothing to do with race. But because the media rarely reports on the color of the ideas and the philosophies in conflict, all they can see is skin color of the messengers. And the standard of yellow journalism these days is that you're a racist if you criticize the ideas of anybody who isn't white. Talk about racism. But I don't want to talk about racism today. All racism emanates from the left, and that's not news. I'd rather talk about what is news, particularly how that news is being reported. And that's where social media enters the picture. The rise of right-wing and conservative social media content providers who have demonstrated that their reports and commentaries are far more reliable than what we're hearing from the media of the left has presented the left with a challenge and obstacle to their narratives that was previously absent. But what was initially not known by many who participated on social media platforms is the fact that the major platforms are owned and managed by those with a leftist agenda, people who apparently don't seem to mind manipulating the truth to their advantage. And I imagine it was just as surprising to them that the most popular voices on social media would be the voices of the right. Here they went to all the trouble to create these magnificent platforms to help shape the world of the future in their image, and the public had other ideas in mind. But instead of offering rebuttals and arguments to effectively counter those voices of the right, the so-called social media giants instead chose to resort to various censorship tactics, if not by outright censorship, by depriving voices of the right an even playing field on which to compete with the left. And this has created some unique and never-before-encountered wrinkles in the traditional way ideas are debated. 
and more importantly, has stretched the concept of censorship to one no longer simply defined by state prohibition or intervention. In fact, the state intervention appears to be what's being called for to correct the current problem. This from the Epoch Times, one of the reliable and accurate news sources. Headline, Trump decries censorship at social media summit with conservative creators, dated July 11, 2019, by Peter Svob. President Donald Trump met with a group of conservative content creators to discuss social media censorship in the White House on July 11. The social media summit was a rare opportunity for creators to have their voices elevated to the national stage after years of complaints about being suppressed by giant tech companies such as Google and Facebook. Among the known invitees were big names in the conservative movement such as PragerU, the Heritage Foundation, Turning Point USA, as well as conservative media watchdog Media Research Center, investigative journalism outfit Project Veritas, and independent journalist and commentator Tim Poole, who identifies as center-left. Many of the attendees have previously reported that they were censored by tech platforms or have highlighted the issue of political censorship in their content. Internal documents, interviews with insiders, and hidden camera footage, the bulk of which was published by Project Veritas, have shown companies including Facebook, Google, Twitter, and Pinterest suppressing conservative content, often using vague or secret rules that reflect political leanings of the companies. Then the rest of the article gets into techniques or, or methods by which they think they can deal with this issue. And that includes stripping social media of their platform designation if they continue to enforce rules resembling an editorial policy. If treated as publishers, the companies would be open to defamation lawsuits over user content on their sites. Another idea is to use the threat of antitrust action. And of course, some have argued that access to social media platforms should be codified as a civil right, which would prohibit large social media platforms from banning users unless they engage in unlawful speech. Personally, I would only really go for two of these. I don't really like the idea of going for antitrust. But the article contains a lot of additional information, including direct and accurate quotes from Trump, which I'll skip reading because we'll be sharing those comments with you directly in a few moments from now. Having been motivated by all of the outrageous false media coverage of Donald Trump, I thought it only fitting and just that people get a chance to hear what Trump himself has to say and how he responds to all the BS. And as I pointed out on our show a few weeks ago, Trump still towers above the rest, while the media always throws some unjustifiable and ridiculous charges against Trump, and then, in the last line of their reports, says something like, Trump defended himself against the allegations, but we never get to hear or read about what Trump actually said. I'm, I'm just so sick of it. This is yellow journalism, a color that reflects the color of the pissing match brand of journalism that fills the pages of our newspapers. Yes, I'm pissed off, because we're all being pissed on. Even the once respectable National Post has fallen prey to this urinary flow of misinformation about the leaders of the nation. If you've never heard the phrase before, yellow journalism is defined as, quote, journalism that is based upon sensationalism and crude exaggeration. Yellow journalism and the yellow press are American terms for journalism and associated newspapers that present little or no legitimate, well-researched news, while instead using eye-catching headlines for increased sales, end quote. 
But what's particularly disturbing about this flow of lies and misinformation is that there are still too many people who fall prey to it. Just listen to any AM radio talk show these days. Or read the letters to the editor written by its readers, and the ignorance being expressed is just too embarrassing to even be worthy of comment or rebuttal. They call Trump a racist, a liar, a sexist. We didn't call it fake news until Donald Trump came along, but what I'm talking about goes well beyond legitimate bias. More frequently than I care to mention, fake news is about the news you don't hear about when it's absolutely essential to relating an accurate narrative about a given event or news release. Now on our following audio bite, as well as on all of our subsequent news audio bites on the show today, these are taken from the July 11th White House meeting about social media referred to in the Epoch Times article just cited. I found this presentation quite typical of how Donald Trump speaks to the public, and as always, it flies in the face of what we constantly hear from the mainstream news media, which describes the president pretty much as a poster boy for incivility. Well, it's not true. And for that reason, I think it's important that more people actually get to hear Trump as he actually is, rather than how he is constantly described by his avowed political enemies, the left and the mainstream media and the social media giants of the left. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please sit down. I want to thank you all for being here. Very special day, very important day. Many of you are friends, and many of you are friends that I don't know what you look like, but I know what you sound like, <laughs> which I guess is probably more important, right? So this is a historic day, never before of so many online journalists and influencers, and that's exactly what you are. Your journalists and your influencers come together in this building to discuss the future of social media. Each of you is fulfilling a vital role in our nation. You're challenging the media gatekeepers and the corporate censors to bring the facts straight to the American people, and that's what you're doing. You're going right to the people. Possibly we wouldn't be here right now. Uh, I asked somebody, what do you think I'd do without social media? Would I be here? Because I said, I think so. <laughs> but they weren't so sure. I have to say that. You know that. I'm not sure I believe that, but I have to say it. But you communicate directly with our citizens without having to go through the fake news filter. It's very simple. Together, you reach more people than any television broadcast network by far, not even close. So I just want to introduce, because a person that I've admired for a long time who's a great lawyer, Harmeet Dillon, and she's one of the leading First Amendment lawyers in our country. And Harmeet, could you come up, just say a few words, please? Thank you, Mr. President. It's a tremendous honor to be here with a lot of people who I really respect and admire. The corrupt establishment that you talked about and the mainstream media have told a lot of people in this room that the social media censorship and the banning that we're experiencing is all in our heads. They're gaslighting us with this lie. Let me tell you about a couple of people I represent in my law practice and the civil rights work that we do. David Horowitz is a great American who is a supporter of yours and has been in the movement for many decades. Well, Twitter abruptly deplatformed him one day, took him off, said he was banned, and then he complained, and then they let him back on. And then the next day, they did the exact same thing to him. That's not an accident. James Damore is another great American who I represent. 
Mr. DeMoor complained internally about Google's discriminatory practices against conservatives and pushed for more balance. Not only was he fired for daring to do that, but then these social media platforms used their platforms to humiliate him publicly, weaponize their platforms, and make sure that he could not get a job in Silicon Valley. That's a disgrace. But it goes beyond that. These social media CEOs have come to Congress in front of uh, many of these members of Congress here, and they've lied about what they do. They've lied about the data theft. They've lied about the media manipulation. And they can't get away with that. Now, Senator Blackburn knows from what happened to her on Twitter that these companies are trying to stop the ordinary men and women who you represent from hearing their voices. I'm very concerned that they affected the outcome of the 2018 election, and if we let them do what, they're going to, what they've been doing, it's going to affect the outcome of the 2020 election as well. So, Mr. President, thank you so much for inviting everybody here to talk about these issues, and we're all behind you joining the fight to make sure that every American's voice is heard. Thank you very much. And what Harmeet said is so, so true. I mean, it's, uh, it's really incredible. You know, uh, I've watched and I've watched uh, some of these scenes that have been taped and gotten through, talented people, by the way, but gotten through and gotten to the public where you see the hatred of, of our party, of our people, of our voice. And you say, that's the collusion. It's a collusion between the Democrats and the media and and social media and these platforms it's a it's a disgraceful thing and another thing i believe you're representing a young man who just got slugged viciously slugged i think it's a disgrace do you ever notice they pick on certain people i mean he would tell you he's not the toughest person in the world physically right they don't go after bikers for trump <laughs> you ever notice that they don't go after our construction workers who love us they don't go after the police. They don't go after, we have incredible people. You know, we're the elite. They say they're elite. You know, do you ever hear this? Hey, I've lived better than all of them. <laughs> great education, the greatest houses, the great. But I guess I'm not elite. They live like in the basement of their mom's home. <laughs> their arms are this big, look, like this. But they have the black, they have the black masks on. And they have sticks, and they hit people. They hit people in the face, in the head. This Antifa. But you ever notice Antifa is never there when we have a bikers rally. They're never there when the construction workers and the unions are honoring the president. They're never around. They're always there when you have a single guy protesting in front of a school. And as you probably know, I think all of you know, we did something very serious. I signed an executive order recently. We're taking money away from those schools. We're going to, you know, we give them billions and billions of dollars and they don't allow free speech. And we don't want anything special, but we want free speech. We have to do something about what's happening. I never hear about the other side. I can tell you, uh, I, I think I'm pretty good at getting out a message, but uh, technologically, I would think I'm okay. Just okay. But I'll tell you, a lot of bad things are happening. I have people come up to me, sir, we want to follow you. They don't let us on. And it was so different than it was even six, seven months ago. I was picking up unbelievable amounts of people. And I'm hotter now than I was then, okay? Because, you know, you also cool off, right? You, you, 
but much hotter, especially with a nice new stock market like it is, right? But no, I'm hotter now, and I go to Dan, and I say, hey, what's going on here? It used to take me a short number of days to pick up 100,000 people. I'm not complaining we're like at 60-some-odd million, but then we have five different sites. We have another site with 25 million. We have another site with 10 or 12. Then we have Facebook. Then we have Instagram. We have a lot. We got a lot of people. Way, way over 100 million. But I used to pick them up. And I, when I say used to, I'm talking about a few months ago. I was picking them up 100,000 people every very short period of time. Now it's, I would say, 10 times as long. And I noticed things happening when I put out something, a good one, that people like, <laughs> right? Good tweet. It goes up. It used to go up, it would say 7,000, 7,008, 7,017, 7,024, 7,032, 7,044, right? Now it goes 7,000, 7,008, 6,998. Then they go 7,009, 6,074. I said, what's going on? No, it never did that before. It goes up, and then they take it down, then it goes up. I've never had that. Does, does anyone know what I'm talking about with this? I never had that before. I used to watch it. It'd be like a rocket ship when I put out a beauty. <laughs> like when I said, remember I said somebody was spying on me? That thing was like a rocket. I get a call two, two minutes later. Did you say that? I said, yeah, I said that. Well, it's exploding. <laughs> It's exploding. I turned out to be right. I turned out to be right. We turned out to be right about a lot of things. But, but I never had it. I'm just saying from, you know, from the standpoint of, a, of, of somebody that maybe has used social media better than anybody, Josh, because I became president. I'm sure I could have done it, as we said. Much, I, I would have, there's no question I would have done it either way. I said to Mark Burnett the other day, so I said, so The Apprentice, had I never done The Apprentice, because it was a tremendous hit for 12 seasons, I said, had I never done The Apprentice, would I be president? He said, maybe not. And I said, I think I would have. But I'm always going to say that. <laughs> I'm always going to say it. But it was a great show. But with social media, so I've never seen it before, where I go up and then come down, up down, up, down. Now, ultimately, you get it, but it goes very slowly. But I've never seen where it's subtracted. And I really believe people are, they're taking it up as it goes up. And, and it, sometimes it comes down substantially. A number of months ago, I was at a certain number, you know, many millions. And then all of a sudden, I was down over a million. And then I came down, I said, what's going on? And you checked in, and you said, they say they are doing adjustments. They say they don't like some of the people. And I don't have the fake people. You know, a lot of people buy people. I don't want to do that. Because first of all, if I did it, it's a front page story all over the place. But I know a lot of people. There's no question about it. Because I see some numbers that are phony numbers where they have these, you know, many, many millions of followers. And I say there's no way because nobody has any interest in these people. <laughs> they have no... now. Herman Cain, they have interest in, okay? But they have no interest in these people. They're playing games. They're playing games. James Woods, I don't know James, but he's an interesting guy, and he's a conservative guy. 
And he's a stretcher. He's tough. But when they want to take him off, and other people like him, many in this room, some in this room, it's a very, very bad, it's a very bad thing. So I have many millions of followers across various accounts, and together, everyone in this room, we reach over half a billion followers, and I think that's probably a low number, because one of the things I get that's a little benefit, I'll go watch, like I did Golan Heights, I gave Israel the, uh, the real credit over, and, and you know, Golan Heights and Israel, very important. But I gave representation in the strongest form of the Golan Heights Israel. I talked about it, a little quick tweet. They've been looking at it for 52 years. They've been trying to get it. They couldn't get it. They'd have many summits where people would fly in, talk about the Golan Heights, and then fly out. This went on many, many summits. It's about a 52-year period. I said, what happened? They said, nothing. They'd fly in, they'd fly out. Some had beautiful planes, some didn't. Some probably didn't get there by plane, but they'd have many summits. I said, watch, I'm going to do this. And I said, we recognize the Golan Heights as being part of Israel. It was a big thing. I go, watch this. Boom, I press it. And within two seconds, we have breaking news. John Roberts of Fox was over. He said, we have breaking news. Please break it up. Doesn't matter what they're talking about, John, does it? He breaks it up. Now, that's Twitter. That's social media. I call Twitter a typewriter. That's what I really call Twitter. Because it goes on to Facebook automatically, and it goes on to Instagram, and it goes on to television. Uh, more so Fox than it does CNN. If, if it's something bad, they'll put it on. If I have a spelling deal, they will put it on. <laughs> Donald Trump spelled the word the wrong, you know. He doesn't know how to spell the. He spelled it T-H-I. You know, they couldn't care. Any kind of a punctuation mistake, they put it on. So I'm very, very careful. I really, I'm actually a good speller. But everyone said, the, the fingers aren't as good as the brain. The social media experience related by U.S. President Donald Trump is not unlike our own here at Just Right Media. For example, one thing that struck me most dramatically was the contrast in social media responses to our recent coverage of the PPC and its leader, Maxime Bernier. That contrast was not about the opinions per se, but which opinions were found on which platform, and the contrast being between Facebook and YouTube. It's like being on two different planets. Here's a broad sampling of some of the comments we got on YouTube in response to Maxime Bernier's proposal to aim for a 0% inflation policy. From Candy B. Look, it's the Prime Minister of Canada. Go, Max, go. Robert B. Max is a voice of reason in a sea of stupidity. Die F. A breath of fresh air to hear a politician with common sense. PPC 2019 all the way. Blaywas, Maxime for president. Not even Trump has addressed inflation. Oh, Canada standing guard. Canadians, why would you not vote for this policy? This goes beyond common sense. It's the best economic plan to preserve your purchasing power now and for your children. Bill M. Wow, this party's getting better and better all the time. Richard H. Wow, talk about common sense. Why is this man not our prime minister? Michael G. 
Max would easily win a majority if the PPC can circumvent the state media. We must have everyone watch the debate. The CPC has gone too far left, and everyone's aware of our path to global enslavement and the loss of freedom, rights, and sovereignty. Hotel C. There are only two debates, one's in English, one's in French. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And although PPC meets two of three criteria, the final decision may be arbitrary and someone with sway may say, we don't let white supremacy groups debate. What we need to do is educate via social media, share the truth, expose reality, and help people see there's only one choice. Linda C. We the people are the media for Max now. We can be more effective than state media. This is how people went from unknown to winning or coming close to winning in a short period of time. Like Macron in France and Bernie Sanders. Like a few people, I am sharing the PPC comparison chart via email, social media, adding links in comment sections, printing the PDF and dropping them in mailboxes for those who are too busy for social media. I am told by people that the chart is easy to understand and helpful. Now, I am encouraging others to join us and share it far and wide. Rob J. Everyone, I'm lucky if I meet one in ten that have any idea of what's going on. Bob R. Get active in your riding. Max is the only sane traditional Canadian leader in the mix. Don't vote Trudeau out. Vote Max in. Jen E. It's about time we had some politicians who are proud Canadian patriots, both men and women who are willing to stand up for true Canadian values and uphold our rights and freedoms. This is something that Trudeau, Scheer, Jagmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, and the rest of the Canadian globalists are trying to destroy. Conservatives need to stop worrying about splitting the vote and support the PPC. That means being vocal and visible. Vote PPC and stop the totalitarianism that's quickly growing in our country and around the world. Day Tricker. Simple responses to the detractors. Can you show me a better, fairer platform for all Canadians in every province? Or on splitting the vote. If the most hated Prime Minister Canada has ever had is running neck and neck with the Conservatives, does that mean that they're both at the bottom? Vote PPC and put some intelligence back into Canadian government. And that, folks, is just a small sampling of the comments we had posted to our YouTube channel, hundreds of them. Meanwhile, back on Facebook, where we are clearly being shadow banned and or directed to hostile audiences, again, these are representative of the very few reactions we got to the same 0% inflation policy post that we made to YouTube. Wes K. He got that line from his best friend, Crime Minister Trudeau. The way Maxime hugs and kisses his friend Trudeau makes me sick. Maxime separated from the Conservative Party to split the vote between the Conservatives so his good friend Trudeau has a better chance at winning. No other reason. Maxime tells everyone what they want to hear and then will do exactly nothing that he said, just like his good friend Justin Trudeau said. As if he can tell the privately Rothschild owned Bank of Canada anything. He is full of BS. <laughs> I had to reply to this, and I posted this reply. Ad hominem, baseless, anti-intellectual, false to the core, vacuous, hateful, all that plus a conspiracy theory to boot. Thanks for providing an example of the kind of sheer nonsense that we'll be hearing from those blindly opposed to Maxime Bernier and the PPC.
This one from Peter L. Sure, sure, why not promise voters butter on both sides of their toasts? Blow sugar up their ass, which he spells with two dollar signs, then suck their ear until it's sweet. Sockboy did that and it turned out to be a disaster. Another PM from La Belle province? Thanks, but no thanks. To which I had to reply, Obviously, ideas, philosophy, and rationality are completely alien to you. And thank you for yet another ad hominem rant that exposes nothing but a bunch of ridiculous prejudices. And by the way, if you're not sure what ad hominem means, it's Latin for to the person. It's short for argumentum ad hominem, typically refers to a fallacious argumentative strategy whereby genuine discussion of the topic at hand is avoided by instead attacking the character, motive, or other attribute of the person making the argument. This one from Colleen P. They don't have anyone running. They are bailing like flies because they have no one. Elections Canada doesn't even consider them a party, so they will not be permitted to even go to the debates. Max wasn't elected as leader to his party. He just made himself king. That alone should scare you senseless. Anyone can promise anything, but he has neither the manpower nor trained people to run a barn dance, much less a country. All this does is give Justin more votes and a chance to have the Conservatives win without a majority. Use the right side of your brain instead of your emotions and educate yourself on how government actually works, end quote. Now, this post actually demanded a response, and I had to put this online, quote, This post is absolutely false news and also expresses a fundamental ignorance about the nature of political parties. The PPC already had 300 candidates approved by Elections Canada on July 19th when our YouTube presentation was recorded. The caliber of the PPC candidates from what we've seen with our own eyes and have made available for all to see is second to none. What you're saying contradicts the evidence. And then she has the guts to reply, quote, truly, and experienced in what? And I don't know what you're drinking, but a bunch have quit and he doesn't have reps in most of Canada. He is so low the party cannot participate in the debates. Four exclamation points after that. So take your lack of knowledge and lies somewhere else. Two exclamation points, end quote. Of course, I didn't bother to reply to that piece of drivel. And, you know, Colleen demands that we take our lack of knowledge and our lies somewhere else, forgetting that she's a guest on our platform. (laughs) Now, what's common to all of these Facebook posts is that they're indicative of the kind of supporters, apparently, that the Conservative Party of Canada is attracting, to say nothing of the kind of posters that Facebook itself is leading us to. It's attracting negativity towards us, whereas look at the difference between that and what we got on YouTube. And, and, you know, the CPC leader, Andrew Scheer, is proposing socialist policies that rival those of the Trudeau government. Again, these are all conservatives in name only, and shame on them. Now, social media aside, remember we still tend to underestimate the influence of the mainstream media. And we must never forget the roots of most mainstream media, roots buried deep in political advocacy of one side of the political polarity or other. Most newspapers with a long history began as a voice for some political interest. The Toronto Star can trace its roots back to the Liberal Party of Canada, while the Toronto Sun to the Conservative Party, and so it goes. But for now, social media holds the best promise for the people. But with amazing creativity and determination, you're bypassing the corrupt establishment, and it is corrupt, and you're bypassing the very, very corrupt media, 
which not all of it is, but much of it is. Far greater percentages than anyone would understand as the cameras start to go off. They go the red lights, look, boom. I can always tell. I can always tell, like, when I talk about, and I'll be in the stadium, the red lights are rolling, everyone's got, and then we start talking about, like, the media, how dishonest it is, how corrupt it is, how fake it is, and you see lights going off. Lights immediately go off, and usually they don't come back. They said, this guy's impossible. But I want to just say, because you people have a lot of courage, to each and every one of you, I say thank you very much. On behalf of a nation, thank you very much. It's very important what you're doing. You're getting, the, you're getting in many cases, the honest word out. Not in all cases, but in many cases. When historians look back at this time, they will see that many of the biggest news stories of our era were totally ignored. I, I can tell you that um, I deal with the media and uh, the spin they put on it, or sometimes they'll leave it out. And then if there's something slightly negative, they'll make it, you know, headline news. They'll put it down as headline news. I always say they can take bad and make it horrible. They can take a good story and make it sort of bad. And they can take a great, great story and make it anywhere from good to slightly bad. It's incredible what they can do. I say I haven't had a good story in two and a half years. I used to get great press. Steve Mnuchin knows. He said, man, you get the greatest press until I got elected. <laughs> then it stopped. But I used to get the greatest press, possibly one of the reasons I'm here. But we, we're getting the word out, and we get it out in a different way. So when the historians look back, they're going to see something very important took place right here. Before today, it took place. It started taking place a number of years ago. And it's something that uh, nobody ever thought would happen. Free speech is a bedrock of American life. Our constitutional rights must be fiercely protected. And I want you to know that we will always have you back. We're fighting for you very hard. We're going to be calling a big meeting of the companies for in a week or two. They have to be here. And Josh is really leading a very strong group of people. This isn't just Josh. This is you leading a tremendous group. And they feel equally as strongly as you because they see the unfairness of what's happening. And remember, we won. We have a bigger voice than anybody. But we don't get covered fairly. Can you imagine if we were covered fairly? We had our best polls like yesterday, they were telling me. I said, could you imagine if I actually got good press instead of even fair press? I don't want good. I want fair. Can you imagine what those numbers would be? Uh, they make up stories. You know, the Russian hoax. I call it the Russian hoax, the witch hunt. All bad publicity, and yet we're doing great in the polls. Where's Beckett? Uh, Hall of Records, tracking down what Burns is looking for. Great. Listen, if I gave you a website, could you have your friends at tech hack into it and take some pictures down? Did someone find naked pictures of you again? No, not me, it's Alexis. This is for Alexis. Yeah, this just got awkward, what's this about? Okay, mean girl at school. Kiss ambushed Alexis's boyfriend and then posted the photographic proof on her website. Alexis, very upset. Mm. I could have my friend Tony 
take care of it, you know, off the record. Thanks. And, uh, no need to mention this to Beggar. You know how she gets with these things. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. What, no kiss? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Alexis, what happened to your face? Nothing. What's that? Nothing? What happened? Lauren. She cornered me in the bathrooms at school, said I ruined her party, and then she accused me of hacking into her account and deleting those pictures she took. As if. And, and then what happened? Well, I called her a backstabber, and then she scratched me, so I... You what? I punched her. What were you thinking? I don't know. This isn't me. I don't crash parties. I don't get in fights with people. I... But Dad, she made me so angry. I know she did, but... Retaliation is not the answer. You get her back, she gets you back, and then one day one of you ends up dead in a pizza oven. Is that what you want? But the point is, you're gonna have to deal with mean, backstabbing girls your whole life. You need to learn to be smart enough to rise above, okay? Okay. Come here. Did you kick her ass? Kinda did. Good girl. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. But the media assault on reason continues, with this item that drew my attention in the pages of the National Post on July 29th. Headline, Advice to Party Leaders, Avoid Red Meat Tactics in the Federal Election by Stuart Thompson. Quote, any Canadian politician to gain an electoral edge in the upcoming fall election by mimicking the insult comic style of President Donald Trump should proceed with caution. Trump may be winning in spite of his incivility rather than because of it, a new study found. Incivility depresses approval ratings and intentions to vote among moderates, said Jeremy Freemer, a professor of psychology at the University of Winnipeg, in an interview with The Post. And it seems that even the base doesn't respond positively. Freemer references studies that found people tend to judge each other on the two big aspects of personality, which are warmth and dominance. Warmth is the primary and dominance the secondary dimension of social judgment, writes Freemer. If social approval is the goal, it is better to be seen as warm than it is to be seen as dominant, end quote. Well, yeah, but... What if getting elected is your goal and you're running for leadership and not for social approval? You know, this study makes no mention, by the way, of Maxime Bernier, thus far the only Canadian leadership contender who shares any of Trump's traits, including calling out fake news when he sees it, calling for the building of a fence to control illegal immigration, and being an outsider to the elite establishment, among many other similarities. But the article continues, quote, Trudeau or Scheer would be making a risky cost-benefit analysis if they rip into, quote-unquote, Sleepy Andrew or Little Justin at the leaders' debate, though considering the prospect of an immediate drop in approval ratings. And it may also be that it takes a politician like Trump to make it work, end quote. So Trump can make it work, but Trudeau and Scheer can't? Scheer and Trudeau are not true leaders. Trump is, and so is Maxime Bernier. The article continues. Freemer expects to continue his research, especially because the president's norm-breaking style and near-constant insults provide a unique opportunity to study incivility in politics. 
This would just be kind of a thought experiment without Trump. What if a politician said all these crazy things, said Freemer, end quote. Well, talk about crazy. Every time I've seen Trump in action, he's always friendly and warm. The only time he reacts, not uncivilly, but critically, is when he's been attacked by an uncivil politician of the left or right. So here's my advice to the National Post. Stop publishing all this anti-Trump incivility tripe. If incivility is something that's newsworthy, then fill your pages with coverage of what the Democrats in the states and the socialists in Canada are doing. Calling everyone who disagrees with them a racist or a hater is incivility taken to a new height. And lest anyone think that I want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, we can be thankful to the National Post for printing the occasional pro-Trump commentary, such as Conrad Black's July 27th, The Inconvenient Truth About Donald Trump. Quote, Trump promised prosperity, tax cuts, renegotiation of disadvantageous trade deals, the annihilation of ISIL, the establishment of a southern border that would control entry into the country, the shaping up of the military, revival of the concept of nuclear non-proliferation regarding Iran and North Korea, withdrawal from the inane and self-punitive Paris Climate Accord, a resuscitation of education through non-unionized schools and incentives to the reintroduction of free speech in academia and the end of NATO's condition as a gang of defenseless freeloaders, such as Canada, generously accepting a military guarantee of their territory by the United States without paying for it. The fact that he has delivered wholly or partially on all of this to borrow a phrase of one of the great charlatans ever elected to U.S. national office, Al Gore, an inconvenient truth that the conventional media of the Western world have great difficulty acknowledging. An additional inconvenient truth about Trump is that he's achieved more prior to being inaugurated as president than any of his 43 predecessors except three co-founders of the country. He made billions of dollars putting up high-quality buildings, founded a television program that pulled in about 25 million viewers every week for a decade and a half, made an astounding comeback from insolvency, paying all his creditors, is the only person elected president of the United States never to have held any public office or military command, devised a pioneering strategy of branding, self-promotion, social media and talk show support to become president. All of this, of course, merely proves his lack of qualifications to do anything in the eyes of the mainstream media and the left, end quote. And that's just a small part of the full-page commentary by Black. I recommend everyone read it. Unfortunately, commentaries and articles that actually reflect truth about Trump are the exceptions to the rule of this continuing yellow journalism. Meanwhile, back in Canada, evidence that the mainstream media will continue to paint a negative and racist picture of the PPC is hard to avoid. It, too, is a false narrative that needs to be corrected, constantly. Apparently, we now need to exercise eternal vigilance against the very institution that was supposed to perform that task, the Fourth Estate. It's a concern that requires action, not just commentary, and it's refreshing to discover that the Trump administration is taking action. Here in Canada, we're going in the exact opposite direction. Trudeau's clamping down on free speech at every chance he can take, and the other parties are going along with him. Not, not of course, Maxine Bernier and the PPC. Social media and the Internet gave us an opportunity to witness much of the news being reported on 
firsthand without any editorial filtering and it created a revolution a revolution for the people so one of the advantages of being president is when you ask for a meeting you get it generally i don't know i can't think of too many i haven't gotten and you say i'd like to see in the oval office or you have somebody call uh, oval office i've been with all of these people at the highest level, one-on-one, -on -one, just recently with Google, uh, just recently with Twitter, the top, all right? And you talk to them, and you swear they're the, like your best friend. Oh, sir, no, we're, we're, we believe we freedom of speech. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and we go out, he says, who said that? <laughs> Must come from Queens. <laughs> so, so... It's very interesting to see that, and, and the level of, you know, you look at them, the sincerity, and I say, that's fantastic, and they'll leave, and then I'll realize three, four weeks later, it's worse, it actually got worse. Because I say, look, I believe in technology, I believe in free markets, I believe in freedom of speech, I believe in all the things, and, and they are super genius. I tell you, I'm dealing with China, and they admitted there's nobody like Silicon Valley. There's nobody smart in that sense. Maybe not smart in other senses. I've watched some of them speak before Congress. It's not pretty. And we don't want to stifle anything. We certainly don't want to stifle free speech. But that's no longer free speech. See, I don't think that the mainstream media is free speech either because it's so crooked. It's so dishonest. So to me, free speech is not when you see something good and then you purposely write bad. To me, that's very dangerous speech. And you become angry at it. But that's not free speech. Somebody came to my office, I won't say who, but a very big person. And I said, okay, you don't like the term fake news, which I think I get credit for, but I'm sure if I said I get credit, they'll say, 13 years ago, somebody came up with a term fake. I think I get credit. I'd be very proud to take it. But I think I get good. Now, by the way, the worst fakers of all are using fake news. I saw the other day on CNN, total fakes. I see on CNN, they go, fake news media has reported. No, no, they're fake news media. <laughs> They've turned it around. They've turned it around. So I'm not going to allow, and Josh and all of us, we're just not going to allow it to happen like this. We're not going to be silenced. Uh, Two months ago, we created a new White House tool to report social media bias, censorship, and discrimination. Uh, we saw you folks being taken off, and we fought on all of you, and many of you are back now. But many of the names, I won't mention your names, but some, some of you were taken off for absolutely no reason. I mean, in all fairness, some of you I could almost understand. <laughs> I mean, some of you guys are out there. <laughs> but even you should have a voice. But some of you, no, some of you deserve, some of you. I mean, it's genius, but it's bad. <laughs> but they take off people that, you know, that you wouldn't believe. And we received over 16,000 responses just in a tiny little period of time talking about this subject. Based on the feedback that we're hearing from you, I'm announcing that we will ask representatives of the major social media platforms to join me at the White House over the next month. And today I'm directing my administration to explore all regulatory and legislative solutions to protect free speech and the free speech rights of all Americans. That's 
you people in this room and a lot of people out there. We have a lot of people. We hope to see transparency, more accountability, and more freedom. That's on both sides. This is not — I am not speaking for our side, assuming we're all — I don't even know if you're on our side. You could be some of the most liberal people in the world in this audience, and that's okay. I don't care. But we're talking about for everybody. Big tech must not censor the voices of the American people. To all of the social media influencers here today, a lot of — you have a lot of power, and you have a lot of strength. And, you know, you have to use it wisely. Many of you do. But you have to. I want to thank you once again for being here. You're very special people. You're very brilliant people in so many cases. I look around the room. I mean, I see people that uh, really have almost found a new life over the last short period of time with this new technology. But this new technology is so powerful and so important, and it has to be used fairly. So, you know, uh, they're playing with, with a lot of minds, and they're playing unfairly. And the funny thing is that, in theory, in theory, they shouldn't be liking the other side. They shouldn't be liking the other side. They should be really liking our side, because we're the ones that want freedom far more. You see what's happening up on the debate stand. You see what they're doing to each other. You're seeing the hatred that they have up there. Uh, and it's a very different philosophy. It's a very different thought. And I'll say this, the election that's coming up is, I think — and, you know, we talked 2016, and I would say maybe that's the most important, and certainly I said it, but what we're really fighting for, there has never been a difference of, of this candidate, our candidate, your candidate, against whoever it may be. There will never be anything like that, hopefully again. Because what they're looking at is pure socialism, or worse than socialism. You know, there's a word called communism, too. There's a word called — they don't like to use it. Very rarely do you hear that. But there's a word called communism, and they're trying to get socialism over the line. But these people are — this is beyond socialism, to a large extent. And I think that we're going to have a tremendous success. We had a uh, sort of an opening rally in Orlando, Florida. We had 109,000, maybe more, I think it was nine, wanting to come. We were doing as much as we could to keep people not from coming. We have a 21,000-seat stadium, and then with the basketball court, it held many more than that. It was packed, and we had a similar number outside, and we had thousands and thousands of people that wanted to be there. And this was an opening. And you look at Biden, they say he had 600 people. That wasn't 600. That was 150 people. That was 150. That was a very small crowd. And even their big crowds. I mean, if they have 1,000 people, it's like a big crowd. We have enthusiasm that's far greater than the left. It's not even a contest. They don't want to say that. They never will say that. And I think that the election coming up, Kevin, this is the most important election of our times. This is an election where our country is going to go one way or it's going to head in the direction of Venezuela. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Socialism and communism. Trump has hit the nail directly on its head with that one. He's absolutely right. The only other politician I've openly heard using the word socialism 
is the PPC's Maxime Bernier. And as you'll recall from our show last week, when Bernier used the word socialistic to accurately describe the Liberal Party of Canada, the paper inserted the word SIC, sick in brackets, beside it. And just as the media is trying to do its best to discredit Trump's message by discrediting the messenger, so too the media is doing the same thing to PPC leader Maxime Bernier here in Canada. What Canadian voters need to know is that PPC leader Maxime Bernier has already demonstrated leadership qualities and strengths utterly lacking in the leadership of every other Canadian political party. I've seen it firsthand, and I've witnessed it through other media. Direct and to the point, whenever faced with controversy and controversial issues, Bernier leaves no doubts about his position or where he stands on the issues. In stark contrast to his politically correct opponents, he is an avowed advocate of freedom of speech. But right now, the PPC's main challenge as it heads into October 21st's Canadian election is to make Canadians aware of their new choice now. The greatest obstacle to this objective, to the creation of an objectively informed electorate, and that's you and me, folks, is ironically and tragically the mainstream media. When that media intentionally misrepresents or ignores the players in the electoral game, it ceases to be the fourth estate and becomes an institution working against the people. As a result, the people actually make political choices harmful to their own well-being and interests. Isn't that a form of interfering in elections? By not telling people what their choices are, and yet they're so concerned about election intervention and interference by foreign interests. In contrast, and for the people, we will continue to present the narrative about the PPC during the upcoming Canadian election that is just right. The story about Canada's only federal party working to preserve our freedoms and not working to take them away. So be sure to join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. We're delighted to be joined at this summit by someone you know very well our senior advisor for digital strategy and somebody that's been working for me for a long time, for many years, Dan Scavino. Where's Dan? Stand up there. So long before we were even doing this, uh, he was at a club, running a club and other businesses, and he was okay at doing it. <laughs> Not the greatest. I wouldn't say the greatest, but... You know what he was great at? He was always looking at his computer screen. I said, that guy's incredible. So right at the beginning, I said, that's the man. And there was nobody better at that. And I think Hillary had 28 people, and I had Dan. <laughs> right? I had my Dan. And he works about 28 hours a day. And he works uh, very hard. He doesn't work. I mean, he loves it. He loves it. And his imagination and, and really working with all of you and many of you, he'll come up with ideas and you'll come up with ideas and he'll run into my office and you're going to see this. And a lot of times I'll go out and I'll spend a lot of money on a concept. I'll say, here's a concept. Come up with this and we'll hire these companies and they want a lot of money and they come back. Just happened the other day, right? I said, that's terrible. These guys have no talent. 
the people that have the talent are the people that we deal with. And uh, it's true. And some of you are extraordinary. I can't say everybody. But no, but some of you are extraordinary. The, the crap you think of is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable.